You're listening to the Short Shift Podcast, proud member of the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You can support the show by leaving a comment and five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can contact the show via Twitter at ShortShiftPod. Cynically acclaimed, incredibly online. It's Boston Hockey Talk with your hosts, Thomas Nystrom and Andrew Johnson. Enjoy the show. Boston first weeks in the books and much of Bruins Twitter is full of folks looking like they're going to jump off the bandwagon and straight into the Charles. How are you feeling, bud? Um, like I'm talking off everybody off, like I'm talking everybody off the ledge. Um, look, I think it's okay to be a little concerned that they haven't scored five on five, but it's three games. Anomalies happen all the time. Calm the heck down, man. Dude, 95% of the Bruins regular season hasn't been played. Calls a fire Sweeney and all that shit. It's just ridiculous. Bruins Twitter is an absolute dumpster fire after three games in the season. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. And and yeah, I mean, like it's comp- completely reasonable to be upset or concerned with what we've seen so far. It's It's not so much that they're not producing. It's that they're not producing in Boston. And mm-hmm. that is going to be a theme this season when when the chips are down, when the team is struggling, you're going to see it on, on Bruins Twitter probably worse than ever because this is such a weird polarizing year with the pandemic, polarizing year because of the shortened season. I just, I'm, I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for the shit storm that Bruins Twitter is going to be this year. The shit that the shit storms are mentally prepared. It's already begun, but there's a lot of positives to take out of the first, first few games of this season. The defense has looked great. Jacob Zaboral and Jeremy Lazan have both played have both played well. Jacob Zaboral in particular has really caught my eye. Um, Nick Ritchie does not look like he's lobotomized on the ice, which is nice. And the penalty kill has been literally perfect. Yep. 12 for 12. So there are some positives to take out of this. Yeah, I mean, um, if if you want to talk about the defense, like you have to make a note. Grizzlick leads the team or is at least tied for the lead of the team for shots on goal right now. Like I think in the first game he got caught flat footed a couple of times and recovers quickly. And, and I mean, he's not necessarily learning a new position, but he's certainly, he's stepping into a different role. And so far he's, he's lived up to it. He's had a few moments, but everybody's going to have a few moments, three games into a season where you had no preseason. You had 10 practices. Like, it's it's gonna happen. And I, I did note I did notice that first game that he he did look a little starstruck in his new role, but he's he's eased into it. Before he got hurt on the Islanders, he was he was looking great. He was part of the pair that was matched up against Matthew Barzal, and Barzal did nothing the entire game. So the defense has been looking great. Then they have had to adjust to a new style of of 
being activated as Bruce Cassidy likes to put it. Um, they have been shooting it. They have been shooting more, but they gotta, they have to select their shots a little better. I feel. Yeah. Um, I, we can't have like 40 mountain, 40 mile per hour, Tim Wakefield knuckleballs right into the crest of the goaltender. Mm-hmm. Gotta get, gotta get some traffic out. That's been one thing that I've really noticed is that there's been no traffic. Yeah. There's been no traffic in front of the net and, and you know, a goalie's going to stop those 99.9% of the time. Yeah. He's going to glove them every time he's going to squash them. You're not going to get rebounds. You're not going to get those second chance goals, the dirty scrappy goals. Mm-hmm. Um, the recent history for Sweeney itself is constructing rosters built on goal differential. Uh, 2018, 2019, they had a differential of plus 45. Last year was plus 60. Um, but yeah, they're designed to be a low event team. They're designed yep. to be, they're not designed to be firepower. They're designed that two, one, three, two style. And some of that is left over from the Julian era, but Bruce Cassidy put his own spin on it and they are a lot more exciting now. But they do based on fit. A lot of the team is based on fit, not about the splashy players. And the bro- that's, what the, that's what Boston's wanted. That's what Boston's wanted for years. And yeah, I get it. It's exciting. It's, and it's exciting. But you want to know something? Andre Kasha and Craig Smith, I firmly believe, were great acquisitions. Kasha's hurt right now. but Which is so unfortunate because he was fucking humming. It's so unfortunate because... He, he was great when he was out there and he was very, I, I, I made this comment before the puck goes where it needs to go. When Kasha's on the ice, hasn't gone on the net off. It, it, the only difference is that has, it hasn't gone in the net off his stick yet, yeah. but it always goes forward. It always goes where it needs to go. And I mean, it, the net obviously is the most important place, but I, I totally understand what you're saying. Right. Right. And Kasha getting hurt was very unfortunate, but, Look at Sweeney's last five years. Like, and I mentioned this, I, I, I mentioned this on the, la- on the last episode. I'll mention this again. From the way that he's built this team to where they are now within, you know, a general manager of the year, within a Nats wing of a cup, president's trophy after, um, before a global pandemic just basically wiped the entire season off the face of the earth. Why are we firing Sweeney? After three games, considering his results, why? I don't understand. Well, the five on five hasn't scored, man. We're three games into the season. Five on five hasn't scored. It's that means they're not going to score all season. That's yeah. that's that's what oh, I feel. Right? Okay, my mistake. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that and, is that is equivalent to being five games into into an 82 game season. Yeah, I've declared this. Give it eight games. Eight games gives it a mathable. One seventh of the of the way into the season in a full eighty two game season, that's eleven games. If by eight games these issues still persist, go ahead and jump off the Tobin Bridge. I'm not going to stop you. But until then, do some yoga, do a guided meditation, friggin' breathe. The whole theme of this episode is it's three games. We're only three games in. Let's all calm the fuck down. Let's let's chill. Let's reassess this, and I think the Philadelphia series is a bigger test, and you're going to start to see what the real medal of this team is going to be. But three games is just not enough for me to go into full panic mode. This is a playoff team. This is a team that can potentially straight win the division. 
but we're about to play a team that could also win the division. And that's why this series is so, so important. This easily, easily our biggest measuring stick so far. And they are, they're going to be the biggest challenge to Boston for this division. And I can't wait for it. Uh, One of the things that's really important for me or really exciting for me, they're playing back at home. And Mm -hmm. this is a very important series, like really critical two games considering we're so early into the season, but to play them at home and for them to be closer to their condos or wherever they're living and stuff like that, the familiarity of the locker room and, Mm -hmm. and honestly seeing the security staff and like all those little things that hockey players do and their rituals and seeing those familiar faces, it's, it's going to be big for them. And it's much better than being on the road and playing two games in Newark and then a game on Long Island. So it's, it's a good thing they're home. And honestly, I'm, I'm just excited to see the arena and see the logo in center ice. And just, I feel like it's just going to feel a little bit different. This almost feels like opening day to me. I agree. I agree. This actually, these first three games actually have felt like a straight up, like a preseason. Um, I think it would suit a lot of Bruins fans to treat it as such. Yeah. I mean, from a mental standpoint, it's probably the best. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's 56 games and it's a shortened season, blah, blah, blah. But uh, three games are three games, even in the NFL where it's 16 games, three games is three games. Yeah. If you're one and two after three games, it's not the end of the freaking world. So calm down guys. I promise. I promise you we're going to be all right. Yeah. I mean, let's relax. We don't need Keith Yandel. We need our own guys to step in. Uh, This team is constructed the way that it is because Cassidy and Sweeney and Cam Neely, they all believe that we can do it with this and not for nothing. Two weeks ago or even a week ago, we were thinking that we were going to win this division easy with this roster. Nothing's changed. Still the same exact roster. Mm-hmm. So why are people jumping off the bridge now? And yeah, you still have people who are detractors of of the moves that we did and didn't make in the offseason. Now they have a little bit of fuel to their fire, but nothing's really changed from just a week ago when we were all looking at this so positively. And I'm not saying that I'm not still looking at it positively. It's a little concerning that they haven't scored a five-on-five goal, but in due time, it's going to happen. And we're going to see stretches of them just absolutely lighting up the scoreboard. There's going to be nights where we put up six, seven goals, and then the, the next night we may get shut out. It's hockey. I think we're going to be okay. And if we want to talk about this a month from now and we're still kind of having these conversations, yeah, there's massive concern at that point. But let's all, let's all just relax. 100% agreed with everything you said. And <laughs> I know I, 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 I know it's easy for us to say, you know, stay calm, relax. It's still the same roster. You know, there's going to be plenty of time for reevaluation of the roster as we get farther into the season and we get towards the trade deadline and all of that. But the way that this roster is constructed, like you said, Sweeney and Neely believe in what they have. And when Pasternak comes back, that's going to be that's going to be like a huge the huge mid-season acquisition that all y'all want. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, I mean 100%. And 
and yeah, like you could you could turn around and say, well, Pasternak's coming back to the first line. We've never had an issue with the first line, but that's going to free up space in terms of who's going to bump down to the second line, and then from the second line to the third line. Pasternak coming back doesn't just fill the first line; it also deepens the second, third, fourth line. People need to realize that before they jump off the fucking bridge. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's, a, I, I think it's, I think it's okay to be concerned. I think it is all right to be concerned that we haven't scored a five on five goal, but if we win the next two games, one to nothing and both on power play goals, are y'all going to still be concerned that we're not scoring five on five, but we're three, one and one winning cures, everything winning cures, everything. And this is a roster that can win as currently constructed. Gotta remember that. <laughs> Anybody who thinks that the Bruins aren't gonna make a run this year or aren't gonna improve, we'll say. You're basically saying to me that you think Bobby Ryan is gonna lead the league in goals this year. Do you honestly think Bobby Ryan is gonna lead the league in goals? Just because he does right now? Like, please, I want somebody to make that argument to me. Thomas with the kill shot. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> Anybody who believes that has to believe the other, and I just refuse to accept any of that. All power to him. Love what he's doing. He ain't going to keep up for his four goals in three-game pace. Stop no. it. Yeah. Stop it. Talk to me around after game 15. We'll, we'll have a better view of what this team's actually going to be or could be, or or maybe we're looking at it and we're like, this is this is not the team that we thought we had. And And then at that point, then I will entertain the idea of Sweeney fuck this up. There will be no Cassidy slander on this show. Oh, uh, absolutely. Thank you for declaring that. Yeah, Bruce Cassidy is a fantastic coach. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance. Uh, you said before we started the podcast, the Philadelphia offers us a pretty good chance to get the five on five goals. You want to talk a little bit about Philadelphia and start previewing in this matchup? Sure thing. Um, I spoke to a Flyers fan earlier today, and um, he expressed great concern about the foot speed of the Philadelphia Flyers and how the speed, the Bruins' speed, is going to give them fits, especially on the back end. The Flyers have great depth. They are the only team in the East that scares me right now, but their D is very slow. So I think the Bruins can take full advantage of that, and my friend agreed. What do you think, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into it in a little bit. I've got a, a guest lined up, Mark G, known, um, who has a Flyers podcast. And and I'm going to bring that up to him uh, if he doesn't first, to be honest. I'm looking forward to this series. Um, this could potentially be the series of the year. Two Agreed. top three, top four teams in this in this division and playing them eight times. The physicality that's going to come. You have some players with familiarity. And you have a history with the matchup itself. But by game seven or eight in this series, they're going to fucking hate each other. And it's going to be classic hockey. And I'm so much looking forward to this this series. Honestly, more than looking forward to them playing the Rangers eight times or them playing the, the Islanders eight times. Like, this is the one that I'm looking looking at the most. They're a legit contender. Um, I really like... I really like their forward composition. Um, Claude Giroux is still a star in this league. Uh, Jacob Voracek is still a star in this league when he's not calling out members of the media, and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, Sean Couturier is the 
Next, Patrice Bergeron. Um, they can their Ford group can go against any Ford group in the NHL, and it seems like you know, knock on wood, don't want to jinx it for Flyers fans, but it seems like the goaltending has finally been solved. Carter Hart, he's legit. Right now, I'd like to bring in our guest, Mark Giannone. Mark covers the Philadelphia Flyers on his podcast, Getting Bullied. Mark, what's going on, guy? Not much. How are you? We're doing all right, man. Before we get going, Mark, I've got to ask you about the Jacob Voracek press conference. I found it hilarious. Give me some background. What was going on there? Well, you know, it's crazy, that whole thing, because I usually, you know, I know I know Boston has the uh, the NBC affiliate up there, and... You know, we have NBC Sports Philly, and I just think, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that everything they put out is basically shit. So, I mean, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, them actually having all the games minus the Eagles, I would never watch that station. Mm. So I just happened to, like, leave it on after the game and was watching post game, and I turned it off right fucking before that happened. <laughs> and then I see, like, everything going on on Twitter, and I finally saw the video of it. So basically... I mean, Mike Sealski's the guy he went after, and that's one of the one of the beat writers down here in Philly. And you know, he's just kind of one of those guys that just kind of like says whatever the hell he wants, whether it makes sense or not. And he really, I mean, he stirred the pot a lot. Not even because I'm pretty sure he covers all the teams, if not all, uh, definitely the Eagles. And I, I feel I've never read him, but I feel like from what I've gathered from other people, he just kind of says a lot of shit without basis and. And so that's kind of where Voracek was coming from when he said, you know, it doesn't matter what I say, you're going to write whatever you want anyway. So I think he, and there's been times in the past with the media in Philly, obviously, you know, Mike Richards, when he was here, went a couple weeks without talking to them at all. He just put like a ban, him and like his friends put a ban on talking to the media because they were on a winning streak. And all the, all the media was talking about was how, you know, how the players are going out and partying and, you know, getting drunk and shit like that. So, you know, especially now in the age of Twitter, everyone's trying to deliver a hot take and, you know, be the first to report shit. So I think with Sealski, it was just kind of like, you know, Voracek especially just got tired of him reporting quote unquote bullshit. So he just kind of let it fly and it was not edited. They were not ready for it. And it was fucking tremendous. It was perfect. Like, honestly, like watching it, you could also tell like that it was probably not just his opinion, that it was a general consensus coming yeah, from was, that locker room. The locker room, you could tell. Like, yeah. even Travis Konecki was sitting next to him. There's plenty of videos out there of his reaction. He was like, oh, shit, like, okay. This, yep. He's letting it air out. And that yep. was after a win. And he seemed pretty, Voracek seemed pretty frustrated, yeah. you know, saying all that after a win. But, you know, fuck it. Sometimes he's got to go, you know, these reporters have to, have to just be told. And there was other guys defending Sealski saying, you know, he should have did it in private. And like, whatever. If you guys can say whatever the hell you want without any repercussions, then the player should be able to do the exact same thing. Absolutely. Um, so coming out of last year, Philadelphia definitely comes across as a team on the upswing. It's It's been a down organization for a few years and had a decent year, a quietly, a quietly decent year, and then went out in second round kind of a whimper to the Islanders. Uh, what was the general feeling around the team coming into this year? I mean, basically everybody that I talk to and a lot of the people that I follow on Twitter think this is a Stanley Cup contending team. 
And if you look at the first two games against Pittsburgh, it's hard to argue against that. I mean, this team is so deep up front. You know, they're, they're top nine. I'll put that up against just about any other team in the league and say that we could go in into a seven-game series and win it. May not, you know, we're not going to sweep teams by any means, but we'll definitely hang in for a seven-game series with the best teams in the league because I believe the Flyers are one of the best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Their Achilles heel right now, and we knew that going in, uh, from a fan perspective, was the defense. And we saw that in the game, the first game against Buffalo, because they absolutely shit the bed. And, you know, six goals later, you lose 6-1 to a team that is on the outside looking in, in, in this division. So, but going into the season, there's a lot of excitement in Philly. And, you know, it, it, it's been a while because basically the whole time I was growing up, there was the philosophy around the Flyers that they were just going to go for it every year. They were going to throw money at the big time free agents. You know, that's what, and they were going to get the aging guys. That's when, you know, guys like Paul Coffey come in. That's when guys like Chris Pronger come in, you know, just looking for that final piece to get them over the hump. And, you know, the last six, seven years, it's been, let's rebuild this thing slowly. So there hasn't been a lot of excitement and this year reminds me a lot about when I like reminds me a lot of when I was growing up where every year it was the Flyers have a shot at this. Mm-hmm. So this year, I believe in my heart of hearts that the Flyers have a legit shot at this. It's not just homerism. And I think that, you know, other fans of the game, just watching them can see it, you know, take that game against Buffalo out of it. But, you know, on their best night, the Flyers can play with just about anybody in the league. I'm going to agree with that. Honestly, like a lot of, Bruins writers, whether it was bloggers or or even beat writers, they were putting them in the top three for our division. And sure. some of them had them number one. Some of them had them three. This is a playoff caliber team. I'm definitely looking forward to these two games. Uh, but going forward, I mean, we're playing you guys essentially, what is it, eight times, I think? Yeah. I think times. we play every team eight times in this division. By the yeah. end of the season, it's, it's going to be who's healthy. And honestly, like the youth on your team is definitely going to be a plus. Uh, Boston is is one of uh, the older teams, I guess you would say, in the division, even though they're attempting a uh, kind of like a retool youth movement this year. It seems like what Boston's attempting to do, taking away some of like their their more top end guys like like a McAvoy or a Bergeron, who's also at the tail end of his career, but but like a pasta. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Like, who is the pasta that we should be paying attention to from you guys when it's when it's coming to uh the new prospects like I, I have on my notes I circled frost like four times and at this point every article I'm seeing is circling him as an in- intriguing prospect as well I know that he's a little bit undersized so like what would his comparable be to for uh, a layman Boston fan uh, it's pretty you know it's weird because he wears number 48 and even before he he had that number you know, just watching him play on the ice, I immediately, my mind and a lot of other people's minds went to Danny Briere when he was with the Flyers. Kind of a smaller guy, but he's shifty as hell. He's got great hands. And all he knows how to do is make plays. You know, he may not be, you know, this top end goal scorer that the Flyers, I believe that they still need, uh, but I think they can get by without. Uh, but the guy, I mean, when he's out there, he's just making plays on the ice. And another reason why he's out there right now you know, he came into he came into the season as the thirteenth forward, and of course, the second game against Pittsburgh, Katoria goes down. So he's they said out two weeks, but if you Google the injury that he has, it's like more of a four to six week thing. So he's got to step right in, does Frost, and you know, kudos to to Elaine Vigneault. and 
<clears throat> he just threw him right into Couturier's spot. You know, he was getting time on the first power play. He's getting time with, you know, Couturier's line mates. So that's one thing about going from Dave Haxtell, who we had here for four or five of the, some of the worst years of Flyers hockey that I can remember going into Vino, you know, Haxtell, when these new guys would come up and they had to play them, he would, tr- he would just bury them on the fourth line. And Vino is not like that. He, you know, he puts them in the best position to succeed. And from Frost, you know, the guy has all the talent in the world. And, you know, you, you have some of the, I don't you have some of the dumber Flyers fans that because he didn't come into this season already, you know, as a top 12 forward, you know, they're already calling for him being a bust. The guy's 21 years old. I mean, just, and he's already come so far as, as a player already. And he's still, I mean, at 21 years old, your body's not even fully developed, you know, just as a human. So, you know, and as a 21 year old to be, to have the skill that he has, you know, the sky is the limit for him. And there's no reason why he can't be a threat on the first power play now, but especially in the future. I mean, his skill is legit. It's just, you know, from a Flyers fan perspective, the guys that are already jumping the gun saying that, you know, he's a bust, you just got to give him time to let, you know, let everything catch up. You know, he only played a handful of games in the NHL last year. And I think he averaged like, I think he had seven points in something like 20 games last year. So it's, it's not like he came in and just totally shit the bed. Uh, it's there. The, you know, the talent is obviously there. And I think, you know, given the right time and given the right situation, he's going to be a real force to be reckoned with. If not this year, then definitely going in the next year. So outside of him, who would you say is like a player that we should be watching in this series? Uh, well, probably a guy that some of your listeners might be familiar with and Joel Farabee, you know, he's a BU guy. I actually went up there to see him play. Uh, it was the BU, uh, Boston college game, which is fucking tremendous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's just another guy, you know, and he's second full year in the league here and he's getting, uh, first line minutes. He's rolling with the guys. And it's an interesting time for the flyers right now because we we're so used to the core players of Voracek and Giroux and Couturier and Couturier is still there. He's still part of the core and he's still probably the most important player on the flyers, but you're seeing this new wave of players come in and Joel Farabee. I mean, he's just, the guy is just a points machine. He can shoot the puck. You know, he, he, his hands are insane. He can make plays all over the ice. He's good defensively. I mean, he's a guy that when he's going and going good, you know, just watch out because he's a threat from anywhere on the ice doing all types of things with the puck. Mark, what are you seeing coming out of Boston right now? What are you looking forward to with our matchup? Not only this week, but just in the season in general, what's, what's on your radar for Boston? Well, to me, uh, when I looked at this schedule and I, I saw how, you know, the realignment and everything, which I think the best thing that the NHL could do just to rouse up interest is make these alignments permanent. Because when you think about having a, you know, everything so regional and and this matchup that we're talking about right here, the Flyers and the Bruins, I think is an absolute dark horse to be some of, you know, to be the best rivalry in the league this year. It doesn't, you know, the rivalries with Philly are always, you know, it's the obvious ones. It's New York, you know, Pittsburgh. The Eagles don't play the Steelers enough for that to be anything. But then you're always looking to Boston too. And, you know, the big thing, you know, I hate the Rangers just because they're from New York, but I don't have the same hatred right now that I do for the Bruins because, you know, both teams were good at the same time. 
you know, you have recent playoff series that build animosity. You have big games, you know, down the stretch last year that build animosity. So what I'm looking for this year and out of this series, you know, coming up these next two games, Flyers and Bruins is I just, I think that's going to be, you know, kind of the birth of something new and exciting for both fan bases, because, you know, I think the, the Penguins are kind of on their way down. There's always going to be that hatred for Flyers fans to pay, to the Penguins. And until the NHL gifts them the next best player in the world, you know, eventually when the Penguins aren't fighting for the Stanley Cup every year, which I believe the Flyers are about to do, you know, there, there's going to be room for another rivalry. And I don't, you know, the Bruins are a team that are always there. They're always in the mix. They're always retooling and hitting things at the right time to, you know, stay relevant. So I'm excited to just have kind of a new rivalry around. And this is something that's really always been there. It dates back to the seventies. The Bruins kicked our asses until 74 when we got the cup. And it's just one of those things. It's Philly, it's Boston, two of the most, you know, we hate New York, but we are so eerily similar city wise to Boston. I love Boston. I've had some of my best nights ever in Boston. Mm. I fucking hate your teams to no end. <laughs> so that's what I'm most excited about is to match up with Boston eight times this season and kind of rebirth this rivalry that's kind of been quiet, simmering under the surface. You know, there are two of the best teams in the division. A lot of people are picking the Bruins. A lot of people are picking the Flyers. Obviously, the Islanders are in there. So we're in the mix as one of the, th- as you know, two of the three best teams in the, in the division. So let's just fucking go get it. And that's what I'm most excited for here is to just see these two teams really build a hatred and really start just beating the hell out of each other down the stretch. I, I agree 100%. The only thing that's going to be a bummer at the end of this year, regardless of like what happens in the playoffs, is when they go back to the old alignment and all these rivalries that are absolutely going to develop this year, especially between these two teams, it's not going to be quite there. Maybe it'll mean that the the few times that they do play each other will be even bigger. That's the hope. Uh, but I will say selfishly, uh, and I know I'm not the only Bruins fan who feels this way, uh, us not playing Montreal feels yeah. incredibly fucking wrong. And, yeah, that, yeah, that's uh, And even though the, the rivalry isn't as historic with, with a team like Toronto, the recent history, like for us not to play Toronto, for us not to be able to lay a hit on Matthews, like it doesn't feel like a normal hockey year, but that's okay because this is absolutely not a normal hockey year. This is going to be a sprint, and the NHL hopefully can kind of look at at the end of this year, what they what they did right this year and compare it to what they did wrong before and maybe find some common ground. And if that means that we play Philadelphia, if that means that we play both New York teams just a few more times each year and it's more regionally based and I don't have to sit through us playing San Jose, I'm, I'd be totally fine way, with it. I think there's a way to do this. I mean, in 56 games, you know, they have to, you know, you have to keep things close, whatever, because of travel and everything. But when you're going back to 82, I think there's definitely a way to keep this alignment as is and still be able to play, you know, how they had it before. You play every team at least once, or mm-hmm. you play every team twice, once at home, once on the road. There's probably still a way to do that. I mean, I'm, you know, maybe not playing each team in your division eight times. Just I, I can't do the math on the top of my head, but there's definitely a way to do it to where you could keep those rivalries around because that is a travesty, you know, not having Bruins and Canadians is a travesty to the league, you know, and 
I've always been kind of a fan of, you know, how cool would it be if the playoffs weren't broken down by conference and they just seeded as a league? You know, if we were able to get a Flyers Bruins Stanley Cup final, think of the ratings that would do for the league. Think yeah. of the, you know, the excitement that would build up for the outside fan, you know, in both of those cities, like, oh, you know, if you're a Celtics fan up in Boston, you're like, oh, you're playing Philly. I'll watch it just because I hate the Sixers. So now I want to hate the Flyers just as much. Yep. So, it, you know, it just it'll build interest that way. And I think the fear with the league is, well, if we get caught with an Edmonton Calgary Stanley Cup final matchup on the West Coast, nobody on the East is going to yeah. watch it because we can't put that, you know, eight o'clock here would be five o'clock there. So, yeah, I mean, there's ways around, there's ways the league could make a schedule and an alignment like they have this year work going forward to build new rivalries, to build new excitement. You know, it was just the balls in their court to see if they could actually, you know, finally do the smart thing and make it happen. Dude, honestly, awesome. I, I definitely enjoyed talking to you. I would absolutely invite you back. I mean, we're playing multiple other series, like we're playing each other for the outdoor game. Maybe, maybe I'll hit you up closer to that and maybe we'll bring it back on and we could touch on some of the stuff that we talked about today. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where we're at in a month. Once it's yeah, ended. right. Right now we're trending to be out of the uh, <laughs> out of the playoffs, so <laughs> I don't think it's gonna last. But it's it's just hilarious. Yeah, I mean, like, you guys got a good team. It's just teams start slow. Flyers have started slow. You know, it seems like every year for the last mm-hmm. like four or five years. So and yeah. they you got enough talent that it'll it'll pick up. And you know, I think it's that's, that's what I keep saying, team. man. Like on Twitter, just like getting into stupid arguments with people and just be like. Dude, they were in the Stanley Cup two years ago. They were President's Trophy last year. Then yeah. the pandemic happened. They came out flat. And dude, it's I don't know, I don't know what your feelings are about Rask, but the amount of Rask hate in this fucking town is embarrassing. Obviously, t- speaking from my perspective, the Flyers have had no goalie from basically my birth. They had <laughs> Hexel in the late 90s, and I don't remember any of that shit. And that was the end of his career. That was his second tour with the team. Yeah. So for the first time ever in my life, I have no goalie hate. I mean, even Elliot right now, I mean, he's, he's a, as solid a backup as there is in the league, yep. but you, what you guys have is your goalie situation. I, I actually, it honestly blows my mind that there's Rask hate at all, because I just thought like, yeah, I, rem- I, I don't really remember when he was a rookie, but I'm pretty sure we played each other in the playoffs and he was just, just kicking our ass left mm. and right. And I'm like, this guy is legit. And he has been ever since I, you know, I guess it, there's always going to be a, a, a faction of people in every, you know, every town that hate a guy for whatever reason. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't I mean, there's no doubt about it that being the goaltender for any team is the easiest to criticize. Cause oh, you look yeah. at the final score. It's like, Oh, four, one, your goalie must've fucking sucked. So it's, it's easy to like center all the hate around one person, but it's just, it absolutely drives me crazy how much Rask gets that. Dude, I really appreciate it. I had a good time. Wow, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to playing you guys a good amount this year, brother. All right, yeah, you too. Have a good one. Go Flyers. <laughs> All right, so that was a lot to digest there. Knowledgeable, knowledgeable Flyers fan. Really nice to hear that perspective. Uh, and, he, and it seemed like he kind of touched on some of the things that uh, you had discussed earlier in the podcast about uh, what your friend said, who's also a Flyers fan. 
Yeah, um, it sounds like a lot of Flyers fans have have the same general consensus about their team. Um, deep forward core, um, gold goaltender depth that they haven't seen since shit Hextall. Um, but the D is a little bit concerning, um, and I think the I think the Bruins could take full advantage of that, and it'll be interesting to see if those five-on-five woes will be solved through a slower Flyers team, slower than the other teams we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, the the hope is we can take advantage of that and and start this two-game set on the right foot. All right, so we got Flyers Thursday night and again on Saturday night. We're back uh, next Tuesday versus the Penguins for two games. We'll touch base after the Flyers series and, and we'll get talking on some pen, Penguins talk. Sounds good. Hopefully Bruins fans will be a little less likely to jump off the Tobin. 